Welcome to the Georgetown Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we share sermons from our most recent worship services. To learn more about GBC, please visit us online at georgetownbaptist.org. Today's scripture is Philippians 2, verses 12 through 18. Uh, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life, And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I went to open the fridge at our house. The light came on and then it made this noise. And the light went out. I looked around, no one else was in the room, so I just closed the fridge and waited for somebody else to walk in and open the fridge. And they went, hey, what's wrong with the fridge? I don't know. Let's, uh, let's, let's look. And uh, we, we have one of these home warranty deals because we bought the house. And so um, we called them up, and this was a Tuesday, and they said, no problem, we'll have somebody out on Thursday. And Sarah said, oh, all right, okay, so we just won't, you know, we were getting low, we needed some groceries, but we're just not going to get anything because we don't want to have to shuffle stuff around. So Thursday comes, we don't hear anything. So she calls the company, and they say, oh, no, 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 it's next Thursday. She said, were you going to call and let us know that? And they hung up. And so we wait until this past Thursday, and we've... You know, it's one of those things where we probably should have bought food, but we're like, it'll be fine. We're just going to wait one more week. So it got creative, the meals around the house. Um, And then on Thursday, she calls to confirm, and they say, yes, you're confirmed for your appointment on the 31st of January. And Sarah went, what now? Well, apparently... The technician told the company that he had called to to confirm the scheduling change, and when we didn't call back, he took that as affirmation that uh, we were good to go for that change. And so Sarah very politely and in a very Christian manner explained that we were displeased with that decision, and they're going to maybe come out this upcoming Tuesday. But, you know, I mean... Right now it's okay, we can just put stuff on the front porch, right? Like it's, not like, it's, it's not like it's a huge deal. But that's not been the most recent example of sort of this kind of customer service level. Uh, we've been having trouble with our health insurance since we moved here. We moved here, we got a plan, uh, we were told it covered stuff, we went, had to go to uh, urgent care a couple of times, uh, it wasn't covered. Fantastic. That's good. That's all right. 
So once we realized this, apparently, we, of course, bought the worst plan in the world. Everybody's like, whatever you do, don't buy the blah, 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 blah. And we got the best version of the bad plan. And so, uh, so someone said to us, hey, I know an insurance broker who can help you. So we called the insurance broker. And I, this is not a preacher story. This is not building up. This is 100% what they said. The insurance broker said, where are you? We're in Kentucky. And they went, oh, Kentucky's bad. Said, okay, well, what should we go with? And what he said was, have you thought about moving to Indiana? <laughs> and we said, what? And he said, Tennessee would even be okay if you wanted to move to Tennessee. And, and our response was, your suggestion for us is to move to a different state for better insurance? And they went, yeah, that's probably all I can do to help. Okay, well, thanks. That was very helpful. So we got to the end of the year where open enrollment, where we can change our plan out of whatever the bad one is to a new one. So we go online. There's not a button to change the plan online. We can't find it. It... it so we call, and the tech support for the insurance people say, you just hit this button. And we say, there's no button right there, nothing at all. And they say, oh, there's supposed to be a button right there. <laughs> and we say, thank you. That's helpful information. We don't have a button. What do we need to do to change insurance plans? And the tech support for the insurance company says, I don't know. Isn't your job to handle when there are things going wrong with this? Yeah, this is a real doozy. <laughs> but I don't want you all to worry, because without telling us, they went ahead and canceled our insurance for us. So we're, we got it covered and handled, but we don't have to worry about that anymore, because they just canceled it without telling us. But we're good now, maybe. Uh, I... I'm sure you have stories. I'm sure there's some, I'm sure you got something primed and ready in your mind of like, oh yeah, let me tell you my story. Because we all do. We all have these stories where we are not seen as people. We are seen as either numbers or ways to get more money or problems or just something that needs to go away. Have you ever done that where you've been on hold for a long time and mysteriously your call gets dropped? So many times, because of the way that culture is in our world is, when we think of service, we often think of it in negative terms. We think of it as something bad because of the bad experiences we've had, because of the server who sort of threw our food on the table, because of the health insurance company that just does whatever they want and wants us to go away. Now, they have no problem cashing our payments at the first of the month. But any time that we have any sort of issue, suddenly they have no idea what we're talking about or have even looked at. It's enough to make you infuriated. It's enough to make you want to be grumpy and angry. And you can't take it out on the insurance people, so who do you take it out on? Whoever happens to be in your path, right? And it creates this contagious situation where this kind of anger, this kind of disservice, creates in us 
a kind of disservice that we keep sharing to other people, right? I, uh, you, you've probably heard me say, but I call it the uh, pass the salt principle, where you are already so worked up and you've been cooking for a while, and then somebody says, hey, I need you to pass the salt, and you're like, that's just like you, and you throw the salt at them. It's not their fault, right? They just happen to be the one that has all, have all the guns aimed at them because of everything else that has built up in you. What do we do in a world that seems to incentivize bad service and bad care? How do we be different? So we are continuing our series this week on, uh, and we're calling it The Work of the People. And what we are talking about is that God, in God's infinite mercy and glory and love, has reached out to us. God was the one who reached out first, before we even thought about the mess we were in, before we even understood how broken and sinful and turned around we were, God had made a way so that we could reconnect to him. Through the Gospels we read, and actually all through Scripture, we read of this giant, incredible, arcing narrative of how God brings us back, even in the midst of our sin, the invitation is for us to come back God does that first. But how do we respond? What is our call? And what are we supposed to do after we've said, yes, God, I want that. I, you, you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You step into the reality of that good news and eternal hope forever. What's next? What do we do then? So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that if we're going to be these kinds of people who live in this kind of way, who respond to the good news of Jesus, we're going to be people who unite under Christ. One of the ways that we can separate and be different from the rest of the world, the rest of the world that is constantly fighting and uh, hitting at each other, is that we can unite under Christ. We don't let the minor differences that separate us become major barriers for us to be community together. We decide that Jesus is more important, and we choose to love and care and stay united even when we aren't exactly lining up on every single thing perfectly. You don't have to agree with me on every single bit of everything for us to be community and church together. That, unfortunately, is a countercultural statement in our world. But when we choose to unite under Christ, we are saying that Jesus is more important than any of these other issues. The next week, last week, we talked about we are going to be a people, and I say going to be, we continue and will choose to continue to be a people who make disciples who make disciples. It's not enough for us just to make disciples. And I talked about last week how I grew up with this sort of malformed notion. And I don't think the church taught this, but I somehow got this sort of malformed notion that what needed to happen is I needed to just go around and baptize whoever I possibly could as fast as I possibly could, almost like, you know, sneak attack, just slam them in a swimming pool somewhere and get them. You're good to go. Next. You're good to go. Next. Who's coming? Who's coming? Who's coming? That when we look at the Great Commission and we talk about, you know, go into all the world and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's a verse that comes after that. And the verse that comes after that is teaching them to obey everything I, Jesus, have commanded you. Teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. And we talked last week about 
This first part, you can count, you can fill out on your end of year report, and you can feel good about this solid number. This second part is messy, but it's only this second part that creates the kind of disciples who have the strength and the stamina and the rootedness that they then create disciples. It's not enough for us to just create sort of surface level disciples because the first thing that happens that shakes all of us, they will scatter. But we want to create disciples who then go and create disciples and create disciples. How does a church last for 200 years? How does a church last for 2,000 years? They create the kind of disciples whose lives are so transformed that they then can't help but go out and tell people. And they can't go out, can't help but go out and tell people. So we are going to be people who unite under Christ. We are going to be people who make disciples who make disciples. And this week, we are going to be people who serve joyfully. We don't just serve because we have to. This, this isn't your parents telling you that you have to do this, and you are showing up here, and you are going to be nice as you do it. So you grumbly show up, and you go, here, I'm so happy you're here. Welcome. You want something to drink? Good. This is not that kind of service, although you may have known people who lived out their Christian faith in that kind of way, and they seemed angry about helping you whenever they wound up in a place where they would help you. This is not what God wants or what God is calling us to. And the passage that Brian read was, is from uh, Philippians. It's the second part that we read the very first week. And, and the book of Philippians is the book of joy. But it's written while Paul is in prison. And he is talking about while he is in prison and while he is being poured out like a drink offering, while he's not sure he's going to make it out alive, rejoice and rejoice with me. I'm rejoicing because I'm serving and doing what God has called me to do. You are called to serve and to serve joyfully. Now, I don't feel joyful all the time. I certainly don't feel joyful when you know, the fridge breaks, and the insurance doesn't work, and you, the person snaps at you when you didn't do anything wrong. I don't feel joyful just because of outward circumstances. Joy is something we fight for, and joy is something that only comes from God when we are intentional about having space to cultivate it in our life. If we are going to be people who serve, I don't want our church to be a place that serves out of obligation, that serves out of duty, and that serves because we have to. That is not long-lasting. That creates resentment, and that makes people not want to be around you. To serve joyfully is to understand that what you are doing, the part that you are playing, is part of something bigger, something deeper, something more. Because I believe to serve joyfully, we need three things. The first thing that we need is humility. We need the humility to understand that you all aren't getting a gift because I've decided to serve you. And sometimes we bring that attitude, right? We bring that attitude like, you all better say thank you, because I've put up with a lot to do this here. Enjoy. Ugh. No. That's not. You have the humility of understanding that God reached out to you first. 
You have the humility to understand that you aren't the hero of the story, (laughs) that you have a part to play, and you have the humility to understand that if you don't do this thing you're supposed to do, the world will continue to spin. And in that humility, your eyes can be opened to the gratitude that we are called to experience. Because it's only in humility that our eyes are open and we can be grateful. And we can go, you know what? That person didn't have to do that. And they did it without complaining. That person did an incredibly nice thing and I just took it for granted. That person, every single week, fill in the blank. And I don't ever stop to say thank you. And suddenly, that gratitude that fills your heart then fuels you. But it's not just that gratitude that we need. For us to serve joyfully, we also need intentionality. How many of us have had such great intentions? <laughs> we are, you know what, this year's gonna be different. You know what, this week's gonna be different. I'm gonna take the time, I'm gonna make those cookies and I'm gonna deliver them to my neighbor who was so nice to me. I'm going to take the time and I'm gonna make that phone call that I know is gonna make a big difference. And how many times at the end of the week, all of those things were still left undone. It's not enough just to experience gratitude and feel gratitude. It is also necessary for us to have the intentionality of, this is important, and I'm going to make space and time for it. So we need that kind of humility that leads to gratitude. We need the intentionality, but I think we also need community. We need each other, because we need people who have served us, and who remind us of what a gift it is to be served. And we need people so that we have a laboratory of service ourselves. The quickest and best way for you to practice service is those people who you are around all the time. Whether it's your family, whether it's your friends, whether it's your church community, those people give us the chance to practice the kind of service that is transformed by the good news of Jesus. To serve joyfully is to allow God to guide and direct you to the part and the place that you're called to play. I've talked to so many people who are caregiving, either for kids or for older parents or whatever they're doing, and they feel like they don't amount to anything because they don't feel like they're offering anything to anybody. The humility of understanding that God has called you to that work and that place in that time right now, that is service. That is what you are called to do. I believe that when we ask, God, show me who you're calling me to serve. Create the space in me so that I serve joyfully and, ha- and, and fully for you. I believe that's the kind of prayer that God answers. Now, we may not like the answer, because it may be the thing we've been doing that we need to look at in a different way. But maybe there is somebody that God's going to bring into your world that you need to bless in a special way. And that is the invitation. Because of all that God has given you, you have a chance to serve and love in that way. I specifically talked about this on the day of our deacon ordination. Now, uh, if you aren't familiar with the idea of ordination. What ordination is, is our church setting aside people. What we are doing is we are recognizing something God has already done. 
God has called these people to raise up into this specific position, and we as a church have said, yes, we see in you what God is doing. We affirm that. We give thanks for that, and we charge you to do this work. In a minute, we're going to have all four of our new deacons who we're ordaining. They're going to come up here and sit down. And what we're going to have a chance to do is to bless them. We're going to have a chance to walk by and to offer a prayer, a a word of encouragement, anything for them. And what I would strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you to do, as someone who has sat in a chair like this and had people come by, you never forget it. Even if you feel like, I don't have anything important to say, they're going to feel like, well, that was a waste. Why'd they come up and say that to me? If you come up and you say, I am praying for you, thank you for what you are doing, I promise you that will be a blessing to the person. We, as a church, have an opportunity to serve joyfully in all that we do, and our deacons are some that lead the way. What a gift it is that we have them. What a gift it is that they serve us. And in this moment, in this time, in just a few minutes, we have an invitation to bless and to serve them, to let them know how thankful we are for them, and to let them know what a gift they have been, and we know they will continue to be for us. This is how we live differently. This is how Paul says we shine like stars in a corrupt and crooked generation, How do we live and act differently is that through humility we are filled with generosity. Through intentionality we make specific decisions and choices to go and to serve. And in community we find the blessing and the connection so that we do it again and again and again. What if GBC was the place where you were transformed into a joyful servant and when the rest of the world encountered us, They couldn't help but see Jesus through how we serve, how we give, how we love. What if that is what we are known for? And what if that is the work of our people? Would you pray with me? God, we rejoice and give thanks for who you are and for what you do. We thank you for the invitation we have to serve. We thank you for these deacons we have who are choosing to serve. We pray for them. We pray for all of our deacons and leaders and the ministries that they have. May they guide and point us to Jesus with all that they do. God, we love you. We praise you and we thank you for this time and this place. May we seek to serve joyfully with our lives. In Christ's name. Amen.